What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode one of the Shy Guy NBA podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Carr. And today we're going to get into some NBA bubble talk, some contenders, and just an analysis of the East and West so far. So this podcast is going to be a uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast during the season when the season is going on. And then during the offseason, we're going to do like a once a week thing, only because it's a little slower during the offseason. Let's go ahead and get into it. So today we're talking about the NBA bubble. And so we got the eight games done. The playoffs are starting today. Um, depending on what time you're listening to this, they probably already started. So we got the eight games that, that have happened. Um, we got a kind of summary of where every team is so far in the playoffs. Um, it's, just, it's just something I want to talk about and kind of get out there that was bothering me about um, these eight games. Now, some NBA analysts have said uh, they made this assumption, which was, you know, oh, a team has a certain seating during the eight games and they're not playing hard or they got nothing to play for. So they're just, you know, gearing up for the playoffs. And my whole thing about that is, is asinine because if a team is doing that, then they're going to see direct repercussions of that during the playoffs. Because you want to think about something, bro. Check it out. We literally had a full offseason before we got back to playing in this bubble. So we had teams play, play in the season, and then we had the pandemic. Then we had to halt in the, you know, towards the end of the season and take a four-month break, which is, which is an offseason. Because you want to think about it, the uh, offseason goes, so they end playing in June. A lot of people end before then, before the playoffs. They don't make the playoffs. A lot of teams end before then. So let's say just the end of the uh, championship in June, then end of June. So you're talking about July, August, September, you say. And then the season usually starts somewhere October in that range, November when we get back to preseason and stuff like that. So that's about three months. We were off from – um April, May, June, part of July. So literally we had a full off season before we got back and started these eight games in the bubble. So a lot of teams were at a certain point before the bubble and now coming back from the bubble, they have to try to get that momentum back. They got to try to get that feel back. They have to try to get that, that chemistry back for the team that they had before the bubble. And all you have is eight games to do that. Literally eight games. And so that's not taking into account uh, the players who weren't playing before the bubble that just started back playing after, like Oladipo started back playing after the bubble started back. Um, a lot of players who were injured before, you know, before the, the break. And then after the break, they were back. And now you have to acclimate those players into your, your offense, your scheme. Whereas before the break, you had a certain chemistry going on with your team without that person. Now they're back and you have to get them back into the rhythm with the team. And also not to mention the fact that a lot of these players weren't even, weren't even playing during the break. So I, I, I heard a lot of players were, weren't even picking up a basketball. They couldn't even get anywhere to play basketball. They couldn't, you couldn't play physical competition against somebody. Maybe you could just shoot around and try to stay in shape. But those players were few and far between. 
You're talking about people not even touching the basketball for three months, come back, and then you got eight weeks to try to get back in shape and get ready for the playoffs. That sounds ridiculous for any team to say, okay, well, we could just turn it on and turn it off like that. Well, we were good before then. We're just going to coast to the playoffs, and then we're going to play in the playoffs, and we're going to play just like we did pre-pandemic break. That's insane, okay? And any team that is doing that, I'm not saying that they're not. Um, they there might be a couple who are saying that are saying doing that and saying, hey, okay, well we got the one C locked up, we got the five C locked up, we're good. Let's just you know kind of coast and get ready for the playoffs. You haven't really got back into game shape with those eight games. That's literally saying like uh, we have an off season. We got we start the regular season, and the first eight games of the regular season. After that, then we're ready to play the playoffs. It takes teams like 25, maybe 30 games to find that footing and get where they need to be defensively and offensively. I mean, look at Milwaukee. Like before the break, they were a top defensive team. Now, if not the top defensive team. And now look at them. They're struggling. And you could say, okay, well, they don't really have nothing to play for. They know they had the one seed wrapped up and they're trying to get into the playoffs. But you still have to get back that, that continuity and that chemistry that you had before the break. You can't just think you could just come back and be like, okay, we're good. We're just going to, we're going to just start playing like we played before then. Literally, uh, off seasons happen for, you know, a reason is to give players a break to retool and, and refuel and get themselves set for the next season so they could be better. So a lot of these players coming back, like a, a TJ Ward and, uh, whatchamacallit in, in Phoenix, they're coming back on a mission. They're coming back like, like it's next season already, and they're going for MVP. Luca came back in beast mode. Not that he wasn't in beast mode at first, but he was, he's on another level right now as far as his scoring and his confidence. You know, so like I said, teams like Phoenix, they, they their young core is coming back playing hard. You say they're playing hard in the bubble. You know what I'm saying? And they 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 didn't get to make the playoffs, but you could see the jump that they made. It was like a full off season jump that they made from that time. They're balling, you see? So next year, like when the season starts in the fall, like you can, re- well, it is the fall, well, not the fall now, but in the season starts in a, a few months, you can see Phoenix making their run at, you know, at being relevant this year coming up. Um, so the notion that you can sit and be fine with taking eight games off and you're just going to pick up where you left off pre-pandemic and get in the playoffs and go is ridiculous. Now, certain players probably could do that. Like someone like LeBron, when he says he got that playoff mode, yeah, he can do that. That's him. But not all players can do that. He's a special player. He's an elite player. I wouldn't say the whole Lakers team could do it. I wouldn't say AD could do it. But something like, what has AD done in the playoffs? Explain it to me. What has he ever done in the playoffs? So he don't have a playoff mode. You see what I'm saying? So it's not like I turned it on and turned it off in the playoffs. AD is AD all the way through. It ain't no playoff mode. So it, he's never done anything to playoffs to show you to be like, oh, well, he's, he's, he's been beasting in the playoffs. No. Ain't no playoff mode for him. Ain't no playoff mode for the, uh, the Avery Bradleys and the, the uh, Kyle Kuzmas and stuff like that. I know Avery Bradley's not there, but I'm just saying, like, for the team, they can't turn it on and off. Now, maybe he can. But that's not going to change the fact that the rest of the team is still shooting poorly, playing poor defense, 
not as hungry as they were before the break. And that's the problem. A lot of these teams were just finding their footing. The Lakers were just finding their footing right before the break. Uh, the Clippers were kind of just finding their footing right before the break. The Bucks were uh, dominating the East right before the break. But now someone like my someone like Miami, the Pacers, got Oladipo back. You know, they didn't have him before the break. Now they're trying to figure out how to play with Oladipo and acclimate him in. As before the break, they had a certain chemistry they were using. Now they got to change up their whole chemistry. So they need this whole eight games to figure that out. These teams need that whole eight games. So if there is a team that is taking a break or not playing hard enough in the eight games, it's going to directly show when these playoffs start. You say, because you could have used that eight games to get your shit together, period. You know, it's just like, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand the notion that because we got this, the seed lock, we only got eight games to like get in shape. We got eight games to figure out, like, are we comfortable with the offense? Are we still comfortable where we were before? Like, so that being said, like, if that is, we're going to see a lot of these teams that so-called took their break, see if they could turn it on in the playoffs or not. And a lot of teams that struggle in the first round, we're gonna, those are going to be the teams who took the, this eight games lightly. The teams that took the eight games serious, somewhere like the Portland Trailblazers, um, uh, the Pacers, um, you know what I'm saying, Miami, these teams that took it serious, you're going to see their, uh, the fruits of their labor come to playoffs. So you're going to wonder why. Wow. Oh, wow. They, they balling like they not playing. Well, they still in that rhythm. They took the eight games to get in the rhythm. They continued that rhythm. They didn't come back from a break, try to get a rhythm, then said, oh, well, you know, we locked up the, uh, you know, the five seed, the four seed, the two seed or whatever. Now we're just going to relax and then coast on coast these next games into the playoffs, then turn it right back on again. That that doesn't sound feasible. That sounds like. um a cop out from uh, an analyst. Bruh. So, I mean, we're going to see. And for, for these teams, for a lot of teams' sake, I hope they didn't take it easy because it's going to be real tough to kind of you know, get that rhythm. It, it was tough to get in the eight games, but if you weren't even taking the eight games seriously, you think you just come back after a full offseason and just jump right back in where you left off? That's not how that works, bro. That's not how that so, like I said, we got the, the eight games done. The playoffs start today. Um, just a general overview of the teams. Um, Damian Lillard said, Damian Lillard said before, the, uh, before the game started, he didn't want to come back to a bubble if his team didn't have a chance to make the playoffs. And when he got into this bubble, he showed his ass, period. Like, grub and ball. Like, fam been balling out. Like, he's like, he's here to play. He's here to win. He is passionate. And this this should be a, a, a no, put everybody in the NBA on notice. Like, if you want a teammate that's going to play hard on your team, you're going to be passionate and play for, Damian Lillard's the guy. Like, if that would be any reason for me to uh, be a free agent and go to Portland, I know I know he want to win. And that's the thing. And he's, he's, he's loyal, loyal as hell, too. He's about sticking around and winning. And Portland has, since they got in, they've been bought. They know they've been playing for their playoff life, and that's how they play. Like, and they're in a rhythm going into the playoffs. So 
I'm not saying they're going to beat the Lakers, but they should give the Lakers problems. They're going to give the Lakers hell because they in a rhythm. And they playing like they've already been playing playoff basketball. They playing like it's already been playoff. So a team like um, the Lakers, if they are like people saying like, oh, they had the one seed, they're not playing hard. They know they got it locked up. You, they still haven't got a rhythm. Like I said, they're shooting poorly. Their defense sucks. You see? They haven't really figured out who's going to be the closer. They haven't figured out their third person. Okay? Now, people saying it's Kuzma, but like I said, bro, Kuzma is not that guy. Like, the Kuzma is not the guy you're going to sit and, like, I'm going to clear it out, get Kuz the ball, and let him work. That, no, nobody's afraid of that. Nobody, I mean, I've seen him do it against people who lack defense. Yeah, people who suck at defense, but a, a solid defensive player. Like, you got these 3 and D guys who they hold things. I just stand in the corner, shoot threes, play defense, and rebound. Those guys, he, he not, he's not doing that, bro. Like, like he's not ready yet. He's not there yet. I can see the potential, maybe, but I don't see that killer in him yet. I don't see that in him yet. I don't see that clear it out, give Kuz the ball. He got it. You know, I don't see that from him. Now, defensively and passion-wise, he, he ball, you know. But Kuz just not that guy, bro. Like, not yet. Like, I don't see. Right, he spot up here, hit a shot. But as far as, like, okay, he finna just dominate the game and give you, like, give you 40. You know, like, give you 30. Like, I, I don't see that. I don't even see that 20 coming consistently, not on a, on a consistent basis. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying on a consistent basis. He's not anybody I'm where I'm good with if LeBron having a bad night, AD having a bad night, I'm good. I'm not game planning for Kuzma, you know? Because more often than not, he's not going to give you that that straight like, like, like a good three, a third. Like, so you got Kyrie, you got uh, KD, and you're talking about, if you saw the game the other day against Portland, Karis LeVert, that's a three. That's a, that's a motherfucker you like, oh, shit. Like, cleared out. He got it. You know what I'm saying? Karis LeVert is a baller. You know what I'm saying? Like, he going. See, C.J. McCollum would be a good three on somebody's team. You know what I'm saying? He's a he's a okay two. But what I'm saying, he'll be a great three on somebody's team because you will put him with a LeBron, A.D., and McCollum. He going in. You know what I'm saying? That's type of killer instinct or whatever. That Karis LeVert killer instinct like that. You know, um... Kuzma is, to me, he he's way overrated. Um, but that's just for now. That's because it's, it, the expectations of the team are so high. They're pushing. They're putting um, unfair expectations on the kid and trying to force him to grow faster than he needs to. He needs to be in a position where he could grow naturally. Like, I mean, he good, but now you're around LeBron and it, it, the media is all on you, and you expected to be this this superstar. Right away, when you just need a little more time to grow, and like I said, he can, he can he has the potential to get there. I don't know if he'll ever get there, but he can get there. He's just not there now. No, and I mean, y'all could dick ride the Lakers fans could dick ride and say all this. Yeah, Kuz, you don't understand. You don't know nothing about Kuz. Kuz is like, like I just be like, man, Bruh. listen. He, like I said, I've seen him play spurts of defense. Really good. Defensively, he got the energy. He reminds me of a younger, more athletic, a little more skilled J.R. Smith 
and not like skill wise, but like in the role with LeBron. So during LeBron's tenure at different places, he's had players like a J.R. Smith that came in and was able to add that little boost. That's what Kuzma reminds me of, just younger and more athletic and more skilled in that area. But as far as like clearing it out for J.R. Smith, nobody was worried about that. Like, okay, he got him one on one. You know, he had his flashes against garbage like defenders, but I mean, nobody was checking for him, bro. Like, nobody's doing that. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's checking for Kuzma. Like, okay, Kuzma got him one on one. Look out. You know, he'll have his moments, but he's not finna dominate a game. That's all I'm saying with that, man. So, so that whole, you know, thing with the Lakers, that, that's my issue with them. Is they don't have that, that three, that third scoring option. Which LeBron never really needed a third scoring option, if you want to be honest about it. If we're just going to be like, for real, for real. Like, LeBron is so talented by himself that he, he raised the level of play of everybody around him. And you don't need a third. You, you got you a solid two. You good. You say? Because we've seen him go to the finals with just him, pretty much. You say? And take a team. And you didn't really need a second scoring option. So you don't really need that with LeBron. Um, my issue with the Lakers is their defense and their shot making. And I think the shot making will work in uh, playoffs only because – LeBron James-led teams, for some reason, develop, go Super Saiyan in the playoffs for some reason. Like, I remember Della DeNova. It's, it's just like, it's just a lot of players that you would think would be just like, um, maybe bench players. He gets them into the starting road, and then they play like they uh, low-tier all-stars. And you're looking like, wow, this guy's like balling out like he's never balled before. And that's that's the... That's what LeBron brings. That's the energy LeBron brings to his team. So as far as the shots falling, I think they'll fall when they need to with LeBron because that's just how he elevates his team. But the defensive thing is my issue. Like, they're going to have to be able to, like, play defense and make shots. Now, the shots will come, but where the shots come when they need to all the time? You'll have them here and there. Is it going to be consistent enough, the shot making, for them to be able to not get headaches in the first and second round. And that's the problem. Like, they're playing somebody like Portland. Portland don't play no defense either now. So if, if we're going to be real about it, Portland don't play no defense. But neither do the Lakers. So we're talking about some high-scoring games, and it's going to come down to the last possessions and different things like that. So I'm thinking it comes down to the last possession. You got LeBron going to do his thing. Damian Lillard, McCollum, um, Mello. You got people out there on – on the Blazers who going to take over that role. Now, the last couple of games I've seen Dame, he kind of fell back, but you had McCollum go off. You had uh, Melo go off. You have these players that just took over. And does LeBron have that? So we know AD going to disappear in the fourth quarter. And I'm not saying going to disappear in every fourth quarter, but, like, really when you need a shot, you're not looking for AD to, like, you know, to take the shot. You're looking for LeBron. You want somebody like Kuzma or uh, Caldwell Pope to step up and, and dominate. But they just not, for some reason, they not, they not doing it. Like, I, I feel like a lot of times LeBron James-led teams, the players who are on the uptick with, before he gets there, their growth gets stunted some way, shape, or form, and then they don't reach their potential while he's there. And then after he leaves, then he become, they become that, that, uh, they reach that potential that they have. It's like they're kind of stagnant. Like someone like Kuzma or Caldwell Pope should maybe take more onus on 
trying to score at certain points in the game, but they don't, and they kind of defer to LeBron. And so that's what I'm saying. So it comes down to why we know LeBron is going to try and give it to AD, and they're just going to try to clear it out, pass it out to the shooters, and see if the shooters can make shots. And if we know that's coming, then you play for that. We stay home, one-on-one. If he beats you one-on-one, you beat one-on-one. We're not taking these threes in the corner. You see, if you get beat one-on-one, you get beat one-on-one, period. You know, we got to have some kind of help defense here and there, but we're not leaving people open. So then Lamar has to defer to who? And people say, oh, Anthony Davis. Like I said, Anthony Davis has never done anything in the playoffs. And until I see him do something in the playoffs, I can't say he's going to do anything in the playoffs. So I need to see that. I'm not saying he's not capable of it. I just, I'm just saying I've never seen it. You say I've never seen him take it and, and pull up from three right there. And somebody, I, not saying he can't. He can shoot. He can't play three. He can't. But he doesn't do it at the times I think that is critical for him to do it. He kind of has spurts and stuff in the fourth four quarter. He disappears. He comes back. He disappears. He comes back. Dame does that too sometimes. I think Dame is more tired because he's he he's going so hard the whole game that he just tires out at the end and he just needs somebody else to kind of take over. Because you look at Dame at the end of these games and you look at him, he's hands on his knees, he's looking like oh my, like he was worried. You know, it's like one of those like I I just don't got nothing left because he's been playing so hard. But AD doesn't. Then who you going? You are going to try to kick, penetrate, kick it out to who, and hope that they hit the shot. And that's what it's going to come down to. Do you trust these guys hitting the shot? And me, personally, I don't. Especially if you halfway playing your way through the eight games and saying, oh, we got the one seed, let's try to, you know, let's cruise on in. And then, like I said, LeBron could turn it on. But then when the rest of the team doesn't, isn't able to turn it on because they can't, what do you do? You say, so that's what I'm saying about the Lakers. So you get them and you get someone like Portland who's been playing consistently straight through like they've been in the playoffs. These whole eight games have been a playoff. And they ball and they in a zone. They in a rhythm and they going and they feel like, OK, we here. I think the only thing that a mess Portland up is if they get a mentality like, OK, we fought so hard to play. We here and we good. And they just get content with that and then just bow out from there. But if they have something to fight for and say, you know what, we can beat this team. If the Lakers give them any kind of life where they feel like they can beat them, then they're going they're going to be in for a long haul. So. um and so what I'm saying about a tough road for the Lakers, I'm like, some of these, like the Blazers, I would think they should. But see, this is the thing. The, the Blazers aren't your typical eighth seed. This ain't no eighth seed in the East, bro. The, the, the Blazers made the Western Conference Finals last year. They are not the team you want to sit and uh, play in the eighth seed. But that's how the West is. The eighth seed is, is, a, is a top top ten team in the league. It's ridiculous, you know. Like, um, that's what I want to say. I mean, like, if we go in top 10 teams, I mean, a lot of the teams of the East I leave out. Just like, you know, a lot of those teams would be Western Conference teams. Um, but, and we're talking about talent-wise and everything, all things uh, taken into account with that. But, yeah, so you, you playing them. Like, if it was somebody like Phoenix or Memphis, I would say they'd probably sweep maybe five, if maybe sweep five them like. But the Blazers ain't your typical AFC, bro. Like, the Blazers going to, like, you're not just sweeping them out like that. So, like I said, if the Lakers was on their stuff like I thought they would be, I would say I'd give them maybe, like, five or six. But I believe that Port- Portland can give them enough problems to take them seven. I'm not saying they're going to take them seven. 
But if the Lakers ain't on their game, Portland will come in here and they will ball and they can take them seven. And that's the thing I'm saying. So you, you don't want that hard road as the one seed. You want to be able to have an easy game, an easy series, kind of tough series, then your main series. So you kind of warm up to the Western Conference Finals. You're talking about you finna get Portland in the first round. You're talking about Utah or Denver in the second round. Now, you don't want Denver or Utah, really. They're they just going to they gonna play you hard. All, those gonna, all them teams going to play you hard. I'm going to come down to the last two minutes of each game. But Denver, bruh, like, bruh, you don't want that. Utah with Donovan Mitchell and, oh, goodness, you, bruh, that's not what you want. Like in the second round. So you're going to literally, you're going to probably do a seven, then another seven, then another seven just to get to the final. That's if you don't take care of business with Portland. But that second round series with Denver and Denver or Utah, they're going to fight you. Now, if you clicking, then you should be able to put them out in maybe six. But if you're not clicking, the, I could see the Lakers going seven, seven, seven all the way to the final if they get to the final. I don't think they'll beat the Clippers in seven. I think the Clippers would win that series just because they're deeper and they better defensively. And down the stretch, they could get stops. I don't see the Lakers being able to get stops down the stretch because their defense is like, they struggle in certain areas. Now, Anthony Davis protects the rim, but what happens when he gets in foul trouble? You say, you got Javelli McGee come up. You got all these people come up. Yeah, but those just bodies. Throw out there. You don't want JaVale McGee in the fourth quarter with uh, 30 seconds left in there, and you need offense. So that's the situation with the Lakers. That's the, that's, that's the tough road they, they face. And I like to just be real with a lot of teams, like straight up. Like I don't like, like to sugarcoat shit with like nobody. I like to just be straight up. Like, you know, and sometimes my uh, terminology or the certain things I say uh, might be offensive to people, but I want you to know that I'm never trying to offend anybody. I just kind of call it how I see it. So I, I've never been a coddler, okay? Um, I grew up on the south side of Chicago in the Inglewood area over on 61st and Laughlin. And I was just, it grew up in a place where you had to be, tell the truth, just be straight up with it because the kind of sugarcoating, trying to get around stuff would get you, get, get you in a whole lot of BS before it helped you out. So it's just like, let's be just straight up and just keep down the drama, you know? So I just got that tendency in me. Um, like I said, I didn't, if I offend anybody, I apologize. So always remember this is the inaugural episode. So I told you in the first episode, I say a lot of shit that might offend people that might have them feeling some type of way, but it's all love and it's all light peeps. So don't even feel like that. And if you, if you have problems, you can always call in and let me know how you feel. I'm, I'm, I'm open to all debates um, and any conversations about anything. I don't get offended easily by anything, so I'm good with I got a pretty thick skin. I'm good with a lot of stuff, bro. So um, so that's that's what's going with that. So we talked about the Lakers. Let's go um, Clippers now. Now, my thing with the Clippers, like I was saying before, that whole like sense of urgency thing is them. And I think the only thing that might hurt the Clippers is their, their ego gets in the way, their, their confidence. They feel like, you know, they might take a lot of teams for granted, thinking like, okay, we, we kind of really save ourselves for the Lakers. You know saying? We're trying to really hold off because we just want the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? We know we got to really turn it on in. 
And that was that mentality Indiana had a long time ago, which was like, and then when they got to LeBron and them, they got like, swept or whether five or whatever. Anyway, but that's that mentality. And maybe it's a Paul George thing. I think Kawhi might set, change that dynamic around with Paul George. Where it's like he's the uh, uh, solid number two now. It's not all on his back. So when he had to turn it on, if he can't, you got Kawhi there. And I think that's what messed the Pacers up that year. They were ready to go, and they had just um, played around all the way up to LeBron. And then when it came down to the play LeBron, they were serious, but they just had a couple bad nights where they weren't able to turn it on, and there was nobody to turn it on when Paul George couldn't. So, But now you got Kawhi, who is a silent assassin, real calm, and defensively, these they, they ball, bro. Like, they defensively, look, you're going to put Paul George onto all defensive. Kawhi, all defensive. You're talking about you got Pat Beverly out there, uh, Pitbull out there, all defensive. And they're going to be talking. They're going to be loud. They're going to be boisterous. They're going to be ready. They're going to be mad. It's going to be hell to pay. And that's where their strength is. You see? So the only problem I see is they're taking teams too lightly to get up to the Western Conference Finals. That might be the problem where they take a um, a Dallas kind of lightly. They take another team. But we're we're gonna see all this um, in the in the first couple rounds. We're gonna see who's serious and who's not, and who actually was you know serious about those eight games and who didn't. Because like I said, if they weren't serious about those eight games, what's gonna happen? It's gonna show in the first and second round of those playoffs that they're gonna still be trying to find that footing. When it comes down for them to turn it on, they're not going to be able to turn it on. They're going to have to work out some tweaks and stuff in this first and second round to kind of figure themselves out. And the thing is, can you get through the first and second round in the West that way? That's the problem. So, so the Clippers look like all world. Um, now, this is what I was saying before the season started. I said it never was home advantage for either one of those teams like even when the Clippers were there it's like you, you're playing in the same the same stadium with the Lakers so I mean a home game for the Lakers is a home game for the Clippers home game for the Clippers is a home game for the Lakers and the only thing is like yeah it might be more Lakers fans there the crowd might you know but it's still your 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 home you're used to playing on that floor playing on those rims being in those locker rooms being at home in between games it's just like a home game. So it never was an advantage as far as like home field advantage for the two teams going in. So the bubble doesn't make a difference. And I think the bubble does make a difference for everybody else in here because there's no on the we're playing on neutral courts as far as like, you know, my thing is like, OK, so who cares if you the one seed in the East? You know, the Bucks. Like, what does that get you? Let's be serious. Like, what are we getting being the one seed? Crickets. Okay. Now, my point is, that's my point. Like, no home field advantage. You just get to play an easier seed that you would think. But in a seven-game series, we're playing on neutral court. That the neutral court is advantage lower seed. You say because now I don't have to, you know, be at home and you know what I'm saying. I I'm not worried about not being at home. I'm not in this different place. It's hostile crowd or whatever. You don't even have to work. It's just neutral. There's not, no fans to get in your head, no reaction from the crowd to get you boosted or geeked up about anything, get you in your zone. You hit a, you feed off the crowd. There's no feeding off the crowd here. This is a unique situation where there's no crowd. There's no home field advantage. You're talking about a neutral court. So somewhere like Orlando, 
it's not even a home court for them because guess what? They can't even have their fans in there. They can't, nobody could can go home and sleep in their own bed. We are in a quarantine bubble. So everybody's on the road. Nobody has home field advantage. So what's the difference between Orlando playing Milwaukee and it's the, it's the talent. It's, now it comes down to who has the better talent, who has the better coaching. It's simple as that. Better talent, better coaching. You say, and if the talent is serious and wants to come out and play, it's going to be. This is a very unique situation in NBA history, and the way it turns out is going to be looked back on years after this and can be analyzed. You can have a whole thirty for thirty about the bubble and the dynamics of the bubble. So I think it's fascinating. Um, I think the first round of playoffs is going to be very interesting just to see how these teams approach each other. Because my thing is like, what do you have over me besides the fact that you got a Giannis or you have a Kawhi Leonard or, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's no crowd to get in my head. We all on the road. We just pretty much AAU. We out here balling. Let's just go ball. You say talent. Let's just go. You say, so that's interesting with that. So you talk about somebody like the Bucks. Like, before the pandemic, they were the top defensive team in the league. Now, coming after the pandemic, um, and eight games, they struggled through those eight games, kind of finding their footing. But yet, a lot of people want to say, oh, well, they knew they had the one seed locked up. They didn't have anything to play for. They do have something to play for. And that's what I'm telling you guys. You have to get your rhythm back. You have to get in the cohesiveness of your team back. You got to get back on the same page you were before the break. That's what you're using the eight games for. It's not about seeding for everybody. It's about can we get back to, are we still playing the same? Like, we took an uh, off season. We had an off season. We came back. Are we still playing the same? Is our, uh, or do we have the same players back? Because a lot of players didn't come to the bubble. So what you had was a chemistry before the bubble, and now you have to, there's a chemistry after, after the break chemistry before the break and the chemistry after the break so what's your chemistry looking like after the break because a couple players didn't come back to play and this this that so now you got to get that rhythm back in a different way so you can't so if you did that's why i was saying if they did take take these eight games lightly it's going to show in the first round second round of the playoffs. you'll know the teams you did because they're going to still struggle in the, in the playoffs because they can't turn it on. They can't turn it off. You, you, never, you never established that chemistry after the break to be able to say, okay, now it's playoff time. You see? You were still finding your footing during the season before the break. And then you took a break, which interrupted all that. Now you're back and you, you're not going to look for your footing again? That's, that's where I'm, I am with that. So, so the Bucks, um looked like they were struggling. Okay. Now, pure talent might just get them past the first round because they in the East. That's the thing. Pure talent might just get them past the first round and will get them around the first round. But then you're talking about a second round matchup that might be a little tougher. Um, that might be a problem. And then you're talking about some like potentially playing the 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 East is interesting because. I think out of the two divisions, out of the two conferences, the East has more of a chance of a team to surprise the hell out of everybody and come out than nobody expected. 
just because the the parity over there isn't as much as it is in the West. And you have these, uh, it's more top heavy over there in the, uh, in the East. And then it kind of tears off, but none of those teams are so much better than the other that they are, you know, just going to be totally dominant or expected to be anywhere. I think the difference in the West is none of those teams are like that either, but the teams in the West are so much better than the teams in the East that that kind of offsets it. You know, it's like um, if, uh, so like if a, a Portland or Oklahoma City made the Western Conference Finals, it's not really a surprise because um, is, because if you want to ask, but is Oklahoma City better than Utah? Or is Utah better than Oklahoma City? Can you really say that? Is, you know, Denver really better than Houston? Is Houston better than Denver? Can you really say that? It's so much parity right there. Now, we got the Lakers and the Clippers, of course, they're top. We want to say that, you see, but if you want to be honest, the Clippers only uh, got the sex seed over Utah or whatever or Denver by like a game or two games. So what's a game or two games between the two, you see? So are the Clippers really better than Denver or Utah on paper? If we look at it from the eye test, like talent-wise, but do they play better as a team? And that's the thing. Like, team-wise, I want to say Denver plays better team ball. Utah plays better team ball. You Clippers just have the superstars, that just which kind of puts you over the top. You just the talent kind of um, wins over at a certain point. But that's what I'm saying. But you could sit and say uh, Miami and Orlando. Yeah, we know Miami's better. Boston and uh, – Philadelphia, kinda. Uh, if we got Ben Simmons back, uh, is everybody healthy? You see that type of thing. So that's what I'm saying about that. If that makes any sense. If it doesn't, you know, uh, leave a message. Let me know how you feel about that, um, and I can break it down a little more in depth if you want to. I didn't want to stay on that too long. But the Bucks look like they. Um, we're gonna see if they're serious. And so this is the thing. Like the Bucks seem like the team that's primed to disappoint the most out of the bubble. Um, out of all the teams, they seem like they're primed most to disappoint. And that would be a reason for Giannis to say, fuck it, I'm going somewhere else. You say that would be just the, the path that it would go. But well, we're going to have to see because, like, like I said, they didn't play good in the eight games. But, I mean, did they have to? And what was their motivation? I mean, if they've, I mean, like I said, a lot of teams going to feel like they could just turn it right on in the playoffs after only eight games. We're going to see. We're going to see. Now, moving on to the, excuse me, moving on to the Raptors. Now, the Raptors, they just be balling, bro. Like, this is my thing with the Raptors. Like, every year, they solid. They are a solid team. They play good team ball. They got good chemistry. And they just ball. I don't know if it's because they're in Canada. I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know if it's the um, the culture. But in the East, they just be balling. You see, and they've kept they've kept they, most of their core, and they just work it. You see, so I think the Raptors are going to be a hard out. They're just a solid team. They remind me of the um, the Spurs of the East. And when I say that, I mean not as far as like um, as far as like consistency. And team play. You say team ball. You say 
They remind me that. You know they're going to be there. They're going to be a hard out. And if you blink too, if you blink or look away too fast, they're going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Easily. They might be in the Finals messing around. You see? So I would say between the Raptors and the Bucks, if they had to play right now, I would probably get an edge to the Raptors to win that series because they just they just playing better. So um, I think the the thing with them is I guess they got some talent, groom in-house talent. They grooming and it's it's come it's going, um, and they play defense. So it's just I don't know what's uh, what's holding me back about the Raptors. I just it's it's just hard to just see like they just they just do and they they don't they don't need a reason. They just do, you know. I the joke said I don't I'm like a dog chasing the car. If I catch it, I don't know what to do. They just chasing the ring. If they get one, they they wouldn't know what to do. You say they won one with Kawhi, and then they say, "Oh, we just keep going." So I mean, we're shooting for the Eastern Conference Finals. When we get that, we're gonna know what to do. I don't know. We just we just do. Okay, they just do, and that's that's crazy. But they seem consistent, and they seem focused. And out of the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, Raptors, I want to say the the. The most consistent team, the team that's playing the best out of the four, I would say, would be the Raptors. The team that seems like that I would favor to win a championship in the four would be the Clippers. Um, the team that's most to disappoint would be the Bucks. And the Lakers are just like, what are we going to get? You know, what are we going to get? So we're, we're going to find that out. So. Now we're going to go into, um, but like I say, just leave me a, a call in and let me know um, or leave a message in there and let me know how you feel about the bubble so far, about the NBA season. Is the bubble a success to you? Um, how you feeling about different teams? Um, did anything I say rub you the wrong way? And then, and I'll address it in the next episode. You guys leave a message or anything like that. So toodles um, to that topic, at least. Uh, so let's go into um, some east and west breakdowns okay so uh let's start with the west um we're gonna go team by team and we're gonna kind of so the west is looking like it's going to be some exciting games over there um i think the most exciting game i do want to see lakers portland because that's very interesting that first game to see how that plays out how they match up in that first game is going to tell a lot about that series um are the blazers my question is are the blazers going to come in with the same intensity they've been had throughout the whole bubble or are they going to feel complacent enough to get there and be like, okay, we, we were fighting so hard to make plays. We finally made it. We good. And that's all we wanted. And then they're done. And they just bow out like that. And then on the Lakers set, are the Lakers going to be able to handle it when it comes down to the fourth quarter in the last seconds of the game in a, in a close games? How are the Lakers able to handle it? Can they hit shots? Can they play defense? That's what's interesting with them. Um, going to the Clippers and the Mavs. Um, Luca legit, bro. I'm gonna just put it like that. Luca is legit. Bruh. He is the real deal. I I saw that boy. I say he he took the ball at the uh at the elbow. He backed dude down. I said like grown man style. Bang, bang, bang. I say how old is Luca? How long he been in the league? I'm like, oh, he ready. He's like this grown. He playing grown man basketball now. He was a kid. The guy, he he ready. Luca is a beast. Dallas got 
Dallas is going to be a problem for the future. Like, Luka is ridiculous. He can play all five positions, um, especially with the way small ball is being played nowadays with a lot of the teams. Um, Porzingis get back to his, like, kind of find his foot in a little bit. Oh, gosh. They're going to be a big problem over in the West. And the whole West looks like it's going to be, like, exci- I'm excited for the future of the NBA, where these young guys coming in, the way things are going. But um, the Clippers, just it's too much talent and too much experience on the floor compared with Dallas. They're young right now, but they do need this experience. So they, they're going to fight. I want to say it'll go six. Um, if the Clippers beat them in anything less, then I know they for real, for real. Like, they, they, they focused already. I don't think they're going to get focused to the second round. Um, maybe right when they play the Lakers, they might get focused. But if they beat them in anything less than six, then they, they focus. You say? But I think it'll be six. Um, the Mavs just don't have the talent right now or the experience. But it's going to be a good series because they're going to ball, bro. It's like, it's going to be nice. That's going to be nice. Um, we're looking at um, OKC and Houston. And that's going to be interesting because um, Chris Paul got traded away from Houston. It went with Russ. Russ not going to be playing in the first series, looks like, pretty much. But can James Harden carry him? Can James Harden carry that team through the first round till Russ gets back in the second round? Can he? And Oklahoma City is a solid team. Um, they play good team basketball. They play good defense. They can knock Houston out unexpectedly if Houston's not paying attention, you see. And it's going to be interesting. I think it, this one goes seven only because James Harden going to have to do everything himself. He's going to have to show up. Now, he's ten, he has a tendency to disappear. Um, he didn't disappear last year, but the years before he has, so he ain't fixing nothing with me. Like, just because you pop up one year, but you disappear three. Now, um, we're going to see what James Harden could do. Can he hold him off? Because Oklahoma City come to ball. The boy Shea Gilders Alexander is the truth. Like, and the thing about that young dude is like he learning from Chris Paul. So you got a veteran Hall of Fame point guard. You got a young up and coming star, and you got him learning from Chris Paul. The boy gonna be a beast. It's gonna be a problem. He he just got to get his NBA body. Just the same thing with uh, what you call it in Memphis, like John Morant, like. They just got to get their NBA bodies. Once they learn, like that's how Kobe, when Kobe came in, Kobe was skinny, uh, more athletic, more fat, you know, faster, flashy like that. But then he started hitting that weight room. He started learning, and then he became a total monster. And that's the same thing I see with John Moran. If he get that, he started hitting that weight room, that body. So when he go in, they could take that contact better. You know what I'm saying? And then physically, you know, uh, impose his will defensively. Same thing with Shea Gildress Alexander. Like he get that, hit that, start hitting that weight room. These boys, these boys gonna be problems. Like it's not even gonna be funny. I, I am so excited for the league. It's amazing. But that's the thing. So you get Chris Paul coming in. He got something to prove to Houston. And then you're not playing with Russ. So now it's like this is what happens when you get get rid of me. And now you ain't got the person you you traded me for. So we're gonna see. And he gonna play with a chip on his shoulder, of course. And that's going to be a very interesting series. Very interesting. So I'm going to watch that one with uh, with my popcorn and my uh, Mountain Dew. Uh, 
Next one, we're talking about Utah and Denver, which I think is going to be the most even series in the in the playoffs. Only because the teams are so similar. Like, you're talking about Utah and Denver. So they're going to battle and fight. And it's going to be one of those come down to the last second every game type of thing. Um, but I want to kind of um, see how uh, Michael Porter Jr. does in the playoffs in this series. Is he going to keep up what he's been doing in the bubble? Is he going to kind of fade under the, the big lights of the playoffs? Uh, I want to see how Donovan Mitchell handles things. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert hasn't been playing that well in the bubble. I know. I don't know if it was a COVID thing, got him messed up. I don't know. But we're going to see who kind of steps up in there. And I don't think, because, like, I'm a Bulls fan, of course, because I'm from Chicago. Um, we were supposed to. We, we went to the draft. We could have drafted Michael Porter Jr., but we uh, we whiffed on him, too. Yeah. Um. And I wanted them to take him so bad. I was like, take him, take him. And then they passed the ball and I said, wow. And then Denver got him and Bobo. I said, oh, my God. I said, how did that fall in their lap? And they let him redshirt the first year. That's fine. And they kept, guess what? They reaping the benefits of that right now. Let him rest, come back. Now, guess when we need him? He popping up right now. So that's just the, it's cool to see his uh, maturation going forward. So that series is going to be amazing as well. So it's, we got a lot of good series. Uh, playoff series uh, this year, and it's a it's a it's an exciting time to be a fan of the NBA. So always count your blessings that we got something like this that we could go to and we could watch. And there's a lot of people don't have this. Or there's a lot of people places that don't have the resources stuff we have or don't have the ability to have the things you have. So you always want to be thankful in that and uh, give when you can. So um, now let's go over to the East and. With the East, um, oh, wait, wait, let's go back to the West. Because I had, I want to address something that was said earlier. Now, um, this goes back to um, LeBron. LeBron, when the Lakers made the, uh, locked up the one seed, he sent a tweet or whatever he said. He was like, yeah, they said I couldn't do it. Said you couldn't do what? First off, let me preface that. LeBron James is the greatest player of his generation. Right, you know, LeBron James right now is he is the greatest player of his generation. LeBron can do things no other player in the league can do. That's, like I say, he could turn it on and off in the playoffs. I just don't think the Lakers could turn it on, and off, but he can. Um, and is that enough? Can he will him enough with him turning it on and off to get him there? That's my issue. Um, but let's address that because um, what was said was that you couldn't do what. You did over in the East, in the West. Okay. Now, you always got your haters out there. They're going to say, LeBron can't get first seed in the West. Yeah, it's haters that say everything. Guess what? Them haters is stupid. It's stupid people out there. It's people who hate just to hate and let them, they dumb as hell. Period. I ain't got no other words for it. They just stupid. Okay. Let them people think. The, the thing was that you couldn't take a team with, like you took in the, in the East and run through the East. And you couldn't run through the West with a team like that, which means sometimes you didn't have you had injuries and different things. You were the only player on the team and you went through the whole East and made the finals with that. What was said is you couldn't do that in the West. You couldn't just be the only star on the team with nobody else and then come through the West like that. You say, even though you could do it in the East, that's what was said. you couldn't do that. Also, what was said was. You couldn't 
um, go in to the uh, the West and dominate like you did in the East, which was, you know, now you have Anthony Davis with you, of course, but you still haven't got to the finals there, you see. And we're not saying it's going to be a cakewalk like it was in the East. That's the whole thing. What was said was because you would go into the East, you had these games, you sweep, 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 then get to the finals, play five games, you know, Eastern Conference final five games, six games, then you're done. You ran through the East. It was it. This one we're saying it's not going to be, it's a gauntlet going on. You're going to have to play uh, Portland in the first round. That's not Orlando. That's not Milwaukee, the old Milwaukee Bucks. That's not the Nets. You see what I'm saying? That's that that that's none of those teams. That's not the Pacers. You know what I'm saying? In the first, that's that's I'm talking about the eight C Pacers when they played them. That's that's not them. You're gonna have to play Denver or Utah in the second round. You see? That's that's no that's no cakewalk. Then you're gonna have to play the Clippers in the in the Western Conference Final. That's not that's a gauntlet. You see? That's not Orlando. Uh, well, that's not Cleveland. You play Orlando, then you play the Pacers. You see what I'm saying? That's that's not them. That's not oh, you play New Jersey, then you play Milwaukee, then you play Toronto. That's not that. That's a different type of beast going over there. So that's what was said is that you couldn't take a team by yourself in the West and take it to the finals. That's what was said. You couldn't dominate the the West like you dominate the East, where it was a cakewalk for you. You would put for you to get to the to the finals every year. Now, I'm not saying that it was a cakewalk for you, that you played the games. It might have been tough to you. But on paper, looking at those teams, those teams weren't as talented or as skilled as the teams in the West that you're going to face now. That was them. So nobody ever said that you couldn't get the one seed in the West. You got Anthony Davis on your team. It was said that you couldn't get one seed on the West the way you did it. You got the one seed in the East. You say. And you couldn't get to the championship. You couldn't get to, to represent the East in the finals like you could represent the West in the finals the same way with uh, minimal talent on your team and just you by yourself carrying the team or just you um, having one other, you know, easy pickings all the way through to the finals. You know, injuries. Injuries did hurt LeBron and a lot of those. And he, he was forced to take those teams that way. But it was possibly because of the lack of talent, the lack of st- the teams in the East was garbage, bro. Like, let's just be serious. They they weren't. I mean, I'm just put it like that. Like that that no nobody was checking for those teams. Nobody predicted any of those teams in the East to ever get to the final. You see, like nobody was like, okay, this team. The toughest team he ran into was the Bulls teams. He'd run into them a couple years, and then that Pacers team that one time. And then Toronto, he just owned Toronto. But th- that's the only competition. Every every year we knew LeBron was getting to the finals out the East. We knew, okay, no matter what happened, we were hoping somebody would give make it make a make it interesting because we wanted to make it interesting. I think the the only year that we thought it wasn't possible was that year they played the Bulls in the East Conference Finals. It had Derrick Rose was there, and uh, they put LeBron on Derrick Rose, and he kind of locked him up right there. But that's the only year. Other than that, we we all knew, like we say, LeBron coming out the East, they coming out. We know this. You say this year you want to tell say, oh the Lakers coming out, because that's the easy pick for you to pick. I don't think that. I'd say, okay, well, 
he's over here, but Gush, did you think that last year? When the season started last year, before he got injured, before I said, do you really think the Lakers are going to come out the, the West? I never thought that. I was like, oh, they're not coming out the West. They might get the first round lose, second round lose, but they're not coming out the West. As opposed to years before, when he was in the East, I knew, oh, yeah, they're coming out. They're coming out. Okay, let's see who's coming out the West, because we know LeBron coming out the East, because that's just, it's no competition over there. You saying So, that's just what was said. And um, now, when you make it to the, I guess it is people saying he can't make it to the finals in the West. That's stupid. Um, he has, there's a chance the Lakers can make the finals. I would give him a good chance to make the finals in the West. I just don't think they are, but there's a great chance he can. So those are haters and those people are stupid. What we're saying, that we, basically the argument was you can't dominate the West like you dominate the East and have a cakewalk through the playoffs all the time with just you on the team and no other talent, really. You say. And he didn't have other talent a lot of times because they were injured, but he still made it to the finals. You see, even with those injuries, I still, I still knew they were going to make it to the finals. You see, that would never happen in the in the West. If AD goes down, they're not making it to the finals. You see, that's not how it worked. When we were over there, Kyrie went down, Kevin Love went down. We still knew he was making it to the finals. You see, we did we didn't question that. We still were just like, okay, it's just going to be harder, but yeah, they'll get to the finals. You see, they'll still get to the finals. When Kyrie went down, like, oh, is it him and Kevin Love? Like, yeah, they'll get to the finals. That's fine. You know, I still think they'll get to the finals. Over here in the West, that can't happen. You can't lose AD and then be like, oh, they're going to get to the finals. No. You can't lose Kuzma or somebody else and say, oh, yeah, they'll get to the finals. That's not going to happen over here. So that's the difference we're saying. Like, you can't do those. The, the way you did things over in the East is not wouldn't happen in the West because of the talent in the West. That's the only point I was trying to make, so. Now, so let's go back over here to the uh, East where we were talking about. And we were talking about the Bucks in the first round. And let's see where the Bucks are. I know we're going to get uh, Boston, Philly. So, Boston and Philly, which is going to be interesting. Um, you got no uh, Ben Simmons. I want to kind of give it to Boston here. Um, it's going to be a good series, but without Ben Simmons, I don't think the 76ers have enough. But like Tobias Harris, people saying Tobias Harris. He probably can, but I'm not, he ain't that guy. He's not that guy, you guys. Come on now. He, he, he's talented, but he's not that guy. He's not that guy to, you know, ice him out. He's going to take over the whole game. No, no. Embiid would. Uh, Jason Tatum would. Uh, Kimba would. But he he's not that guy, whatever. So you you want to say that and kind of make it interesting, but potential and actuality is two different things, man. Like it's it's just not gonna happen. Um, you got the Raptors and the Nets. That's interesting, only because I want to see how Karis Levert does and how the Nets do in the playoffs. Because if we want to sit and be serious. We know the Raptors are gonna take that. And if I was gonna bet, I would say the Raptors would be in the Eastern Conference Finals. But the uh. The thing about the Nets, man, is like, man, they're going to be, they are, that team is set for next year. Wow. I mean, Karis Levert be balling. You got Dinwiddie wasn't even really playing that much, and Dinwiddie be balling too. So you got a three and a four. You know what I'm saying? Karis Levert is legit. You see? And so you get Kyrie back, you get KD back, you got Karis Levert, Dinwiddie. Bruh. Like, that is, bruh. That is ridiculous. That team is, that team looks good for next year. And then this is the time where Karis LeVert gets to carry the team. He gets to build his legacy, build his lore right now in these playoffs, go off, 
And then guess what? Come back next year, he got respect to Durant, and he got respect to Kyrie, respect to Kyrie, and they know they got a legit third option. I'm talking about this is a legit all star, a legit third option. The boy balls. You know what I'm saying? The boy balls. So I'm talking about a legit big three. You see? And he's gonna show that in the Toronto series. It's like, okay, we, I'm gonna have to go out here and do everything myself. But guess what? It's just all show right now. It's just I'm gonna show you what the, show the stockholders what the potential look like. Because you add Kyrie, and you add KD to that. This this is the team in the East next year. Ridiculous. Like Nets in the final against possibly the Lakers, uh, possibly the Clippers again. This is legit. Then we might get to see KD against Kawhi. He's like, that'd be crazy. But this is going to be a legit game um, just as far as a showcase for the Nets. And they just want to have a good show in here to show, to excite the fans for next season and excite uh, KD and uh, and Kyrie because this team looks scary. Like, if they could just get the, the defensive thing down, if they could get some defense, you know, and everybody plays defense, just the Kyrie don't play defense like that and KD sparingly, but if you can get that defensive side, man, don't nothing in the East look like this. Don't nothing in the West look like like this. Like the Clippers, but I mean, gosh, like you talking about a, a team to be scared of next year? You talking about the Nets? So I just want to have a good showing right now, and then when uh you know the Raptors probably gonna wrap this thing up. And like I said, the Celtics and the Sixers. It's just, I think the 76ers are kind of overwhelmed altogether. So, it's, it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be tough. That's all I'm saying. Like, you can't, you're not going to be able to, um, overcome that, that, that lack of that dimension that Ben Simmons brings. You say um, he could run point. Then you go, how are you gonna put somebody on him? And then he could play power forward. It's, and is that second option and and the floor leader? It's gonna be tough. And it all depends on if Boston want to come and play. But I think Boston's gonna take this one easily. And then talking about the Pacers and the Heat and the next one. Very interesting, to say the least. Uh, the Pacers and the Heat, gosh. And then, do we get Jimmy Butler back? Do we get uh, Dragic back for these? That makes a difference. Has Oladipo going to play? That's a real interesting series, just depending on who's back and how they implement them in. Um, we got to see. Maybe they hold out Jimmy Butler and Dragic to the second round if they think they could win this series, but. Um, TJ Ward and them, and they the Pacers ain't playing. The Pacers are on a mission, and they're gonna be a tough out for anybody. So we guys got to see see how that plays out. Um, there we got the Magic and the Bucks, which is like you know, eh. Um, I think I mean it's not a home game for Orlando. They, you can't have the fans there, but I mean. The Bucks should take that one easily. And then we're going to see. We are going to see where everybody stands with that. So that's where we're going to wrap things up. Uh, 
at today. Um, our next episode is going to be Wednesday. We're going to go over the first uh, couple of days of the playoffs and do some analysis and stuff then. So till then, love and light to y'all. And this has been the Shy Guy NBA Podcast. Thank you, guys, and I'll see you next time. Stop it. Get some help.